Hey, New Life family, welcome to the weekly podcast. We want to take a moment to say thank you so much for listening. We hope this message encourages you and helps you in some way today move forward in your relationship with Christ and others. We pray God blesses you wherever you are today. Now enjoy the message. I I was just sitting over there asking the Lord what to do because it's so easy just to go ahead and do what what a person plans. But I just want to take a few moments. I was actually going to preach to you this morning out of Luke, where Jesus comes on the scene and begins to quote Isaiah 61. And it, but if you will allow me just a few minutes to just kind of ex- exhort uh, prophetically just what I f- sense in the atmosphere and what God is saying. First of all, I'm going to be very open and honest with you. I had to look up a word because when the Lord was speaking... I didn't understand what that word meant. And I literally had to ask Google to define it because I was like, God, it's, it's easy to say a word and just say, okay, this is what God says, but what does it mean? What is the definition? Like how, because the word aloof was being spoken and that's not a word that I use. It's not a word that is actively in my vocabulary and so I went back there and I I looked it up and the actual definition is these these are the two main definitions not friendly or forthcoming cool and distant or conspicuous conspicuously uninvolved and uninterested typically through distaste And then the other one is this, either removed or distant, either physically or emotionally, to be aloof in an unfriendly manner. So either physically remove yourself or emotionally remove yourself to in an presenting an unfriendliness or an emotional detachment. And the Spirit of the Lord was asking us specifically, how long are we going to stand afar or how long are we going to be aloof? So I want you to put as an individual, because when I read that definition, that hit my spirit even as pastor. The Spirit of the Lord is asking us as a collective body, when his presence is moving, How long will we stand aloof? And I believe many of us and most of us responded well to God. Don't let me do that. Because you understand sometimes in our human nature, we can begin to do things habitually and we don't even understand or even realize that we're doing it because it becomes kind of like second nature to us and it's unconscious, so to speak. And so we're doing things and we don't, until somebody from the outside is like, Amika, why do you do that? I'd be like, oh man, I didn't even realize I did that. 
That's what the Holy Ghost was doing this morning. He was, he was notifying us of something that when his presence, when we have specifically been invited to be in his presence, and I, I'm not speaking for any other Christian, any other church, because I'm just dealing with what the Lord was speaking to us specifically. When we ask for an open heaven, and then he responds with an open heaven and an invitation through song and through worship, we use that we use lyrics and we use music as the vehicle to actually posture our heart for the true worship. Amen. You understand that the I, I'm I'm gonna be a little bit facetious here, but the first hour that was not necessarily worship. That was posturing our heart for the real worship that came later. Because worship is not necessarily about singing. Singing postures our heart to worship. It's not about music. We just use that as a tool to, to condition our, our thinking, our thoughts, kind of just release everything from the, from the week, from the day, from the morning, or whatever it is. And you just use anointed music and anointed worship to kind of clear all that clutter and now your heart is positioned to truly worship and you may continue worshiping with a song you may continue that's when you typically notice people will sing and then now it's not no longer about what is on the screen now it's just they're singing words and it doesn't even matter if they rhyme and it doesn't even matter if they go to the beat of the song because now what is in their heart is coming out of their mouth and it's coming out of their mouth and if you're filled with the spirit oftentimes you'll see people or hear people they'll start singing in the spirit they'll start praying half they'll be singing then all of a sudden they'll stop and they'll start declaring that's true worship so the first half of that was just a preparation and the Holy Ghost was pointing out how long when you ask for my presence and I open the window of heaven and I invite you to come in and he says, but how long will you be aloof? I want that to stick in your mind this week because that is not only referring to Sunday morning worship. Because Jesus doesn't just show up and his presence doesn't just show up only on Sunday morning. There is a level of of anointing and a level of corporate worship that you cannot get on your own. But vice versa is true. There is a level of worship that you cannot get in corporate worship that you can get on your own. It really does take the two marrying together because as one body, we are able to go places in the spirit that I can on my own, but just the same is true. There is intimate places in the presence of God that I can only get with my tears and my worship. And I believe he's going to be asking me as pastor Amika and just as person Amika, how long Amika are you going to stand aloof even on Tuesday when you don't have a great person leading you into worship when you only have some songs on a playlist or you just have the word in front of you when was the last time that you picked up your word and you begin to read it and tears begin to stream down your face because not because of the words you are reading on the bible but because of his presence showed up and was illuminating the word of the bible 
This physical Bible I hold dear to me, but you must understand there's nothing magical about this leather-bound pages. What is precious to me is that this is bread and this is life and this is water to my soul. When I'm weary in mind, I open this word and I begin to read it and then the word shows up on the word and the word becomes alive to me. And now when I was feeling drained, I'm no longer feeling drained. And when I wasn't feeling well, I'm, no, I'm feeling a strength coming in me. And when everybody was getting on my nerve, now all of a sudden I have peace of mind. Not because I did a ritual prayer, not because I did a ritual devotion but because the word showed up on the word and it became life and I began to partake of it and then worship happens and then you start having better worship services at home and just as much as God invites you into your into his house he is now wanting us to invite him into our house and we're good about doing uh, Christian things in his house. But sometimes we're not the greatest at doing Christian things in our house. Hmm. So I challenge you this week to write that word aloof down somewhere where you're going to see it. And you're gonna, it's just going to remind you. Let me take a few moments and share something with you. And maybe at some point I'll get to this sermon. I was going to preach it last week. The Lord changed it at the last minute. I'm going to give you just a nugget here. And then I'm actually going to dismiss you to go. Don't look at me. Y'all, every single one of your heads looked up like, What? Like, I wish I could have did a panorama video right then. <laughs> I have mentioned this before, but, I, but because of what I'm going to share with you in just a moment, I'm going to reiterate it. I have told you this, that the Lord, many months ago now, the Lord was dealing with me. I was, I was doing kind of a deep uh, devotional study in the four Gospels, this would have been several months ago now. And one of the things that he spoke to me in just, I wasn't studying to be studying for a sermon. It was just part of my, just my personal thing. And within that, he began to speak to me through the talents of the parables and explaining things to me in this manner while I was reading it, because it was just like, I, I felt the Holy Spirit hovering over that. And so I just, I would read other scripture and then I would go back to that. And the next day I would read other scripture, but I'd go back to that. And there was just a, a hovering in the spirit in my personal on that. And he began to speak to me this. He said, by using the scriptures of the parable and the storyline of the parable, this is what he was speaking. He was speaking... Amika, if you are faithful in this season, the faithfulness of this season will, will bring the reward of the next. So as you are faithful in this season, no matter what it looks like, the faithfulness then produces the fruit in the next season. 
And so that got me excited. And so it kind of just give, it gives you a little oomph to keep doing what you know you're supposed to do in faithfulness. And as I would go on with other scriptures, but he would bring it back, he, it, was, it was almost like he was just unveiling, unveiling, unveiling different layers of what he was speaking to me personally. And, and so as I would do that day in and day out, week in and week out, the forethought was I'm just being faithful. I just want to be faithful in this season because the Holy Spirit is speaking that there is a reward in the next season, and I want a reward in the next season. Come on, y'all. We all want rewarded. I don't care what the reward looks like. I just want to be rewarded. So being faithful in this season produces a reward. But then I found out that being faithful in this season doesn't just produce an equal a reward. There's always an abundance. There's always an increase. Now, reward does not necessarily mean money. Reward can be whatever. It can be a lot of things. But faithfulness now produces the fruit of a reward in the next season. But then the Holy Ghost, through different scriptures, coincided with that, showed me that it doesn't go across equal level when faithfulness in one season produces the fruit of reward in the next, it always increases. Because he gives me something to be faithful with in the first place. I can't conjure it up on my own. He has to be a good God, which he is, and a gracious God, which he is. And he puts something in my hand, whether it be a physical something, whether it be an opportunity, whether it be a connection. It doesn't matter what it is. He brings something into our hands, into our life, into our opportunity. And in that faithfulness, it produces the fruit of reward in the next, but it never is just a straight line. When it comes to God, it always increases, and it increases in, in uh, like chunks. I don't know a better word to say it, like in increments. It's never just one line. If I'm faithful here, I think I'm going to get this right here, but really God is, gonna, is preparing me to step up to here, and it's always increased. And then as I continued to do that, and I actually went on with different devotions, different studies, but the Holy Ghost kept bringing me back to that specific scripture. And then he began to reveal this, that as my mind was being trained in the natural, God, I'm just being faithful in this season because now not only is this season of faithfulness going to produce a reward in the next season, but not only, and it's going to increase. And so my mind was on the reward and the increase of abundance, abundance. He kept, he kept just uh, bringing the word abundance to me. Faithfulness in this season brings abundance in the next season. And I was just focused on that. I was pondering on that. I would, I would encourage myself in the Lord on that. But then he came with another revelation. This is why it's so important never to stop with one revelation. This is why it's so important to never just be satisfied with a minister's revelation. It can start with a minister's revelation. It can start with a pastor's revelation. But the point of the revelation is for you to take it into your heart, into your mind. You take it out and you work it out. And God, through the Spirit, will bring out more revelation to you that is pertinent to your. Because most of the time, when a word is coming forth, it's coming forth in a, I'm a 
use this, I'm going to use this analogy this way just so that our mind can wrap around it. It comes forth in a general fashion. But when you grab a hold of that word and you bring it into yourself, now through the Holy Spirit, God can take a word that was meant for everybody and now he begins to shape it and mold it and now he starts making it for your specific And so he began to reveal that, Amika, yes, faithfulness produces fruit in the next season. And I never just make an equal line. There's always going to be an uptick, if you will. There's always going to be increments. There's always going to be abundance because faithfulness produces abundance. But that wasn't even the greatest part of the reward because the greatest part of the reward, if you're using the context of the parables of the talents is when they received what they did, they were faithful with it and it produced double what they were given in the first place. The reward was when the master came back into the picture and Jesus was the symbol and the type and shadow of the master in that. Meaning there was a time when you knew, you knew him because of what he gave you. But there's coming a time where he's going to come close again. Because the parable of the talent says, and he gave to one servant this, and he gave to one servant that, and he gave to one servant this. And then he went about his business. And they were faithful in what they were doing, two out of the three. And what they were faithful in produced a fruit of abundance. All of them, except for the one, doubled it. So they received double because of faithfulness. But the revelation was there will come a time when his presence will come close again. And when his presence comes close again, what you worked for no longer matters. The reward that was in the frontal cortex of your mind, like almost like the goal, that was what you was working for, striving for. Now, all of a sudden, when you have it, and it's a blessing, and you're being blessed by it, he's going to come close. And this time, he's not coming as just a giver. Now he comes as something else. They seen him as something else this time. <laughs> Are y'all getting this? He showed himself to people that he deemed to be servants, but he showed himself in a fashion they didn't see him before. And the only one that didn't see him differently was the one who was not faithful. Because his response is, Lord, I took it and I put it aside and I hid it. I'm going to use the word that was Father, Jesus, I was aloof in what you give me. I became detached in what you give me because I hid it. And here's what he said, because I knew you was a hard master and you reaped where you did not sow. And he goes on to describe the characteristics of what he had known from the previous season. 
But Jesus didn't show up like that in the second season. And he showed up so close to them that they said, this is what I was working for. This is what I had in mind. This is what I desired. This is what I was shaping my life to get this pinnacle. And I received now the fruit of the faithfulness in the next season. But Jesus in the parable came so close to them that he got in their personal space to the place that what, however long a period of time it was, the parable doesn't say, that all of that effort, all of that striving, all of that hard work, all of the praying, the fasting, the, the business that it took to grow it, and everything, whatever it is, they looked at it, him, and they looked at it, and they looked back at him, and they looked at it, and they said, Master, you can have it all. Because what I'm looking at right now far outweighs all of what I just worked for while you were gone. Because I had to do that on my own. Because you were about the Father's business. But now you're so close to me. I would rather have your eyes of fire and your breath on me. Because now I can just read out, reach out and touch you. And further revelation even of that is Jesus then took what was supposed to be managed by somebody else because they stood aloof, because they stood afar off. Jesus didn't do it out of anger. He didn't, I don't even think he did it out of correction. I think he just said matter-of-factly, take this and bring it over here because faithfulness always produces abundance. And so I've been pondering that. And the next thing the Lord spoke to me is this. He's, as, I was, I, as I was like, God, I just, that presence that I want. I was, I was out on a walk and I I pray when I walk because it's when, when you watch grandkids and you're a pastor, you like to exercise because that's the only time you get when people are not asking you for ice cream or asking you for a prayer request. And so I don't mind actually going for a walk because then it just lets me clear my mind. During that time, I was just praying. And I was just praying kind of in general, kind of like how I do, and I heard the Holy Spirit. He said a couple of things to me on this particular walk that I wrote down. But one of the things he said to me was, begin to pray for the spirit of Gideon. And, of course, you know, I know who Gideon is of the Bible. I understand it. I've preached out of it. But I began to pay attention more to the account in Judges chapter 6 about Gideon and who he was and kind of how he operated. And one of the main things in Judges chapter 6 that you'll find is because of the circumstances that was going on in the government of Israel and in, with different countries that was opposing Israel is they would try to plant things and grow things such as crops and they would try to harvest them and they would try to grow uh, herds of cattle 
and goats and things of that nature. But because of the enemies, the enemies would allow them to do the work. The enemies would allow them to plant and and do the tilling and do the husbandryness of that. They would allow them to reproduce the all the animals that they would do. But then when it came time to actually harvest the fruit or or slaughter the animals for food in the, in that case, they would come in, they would rob them of all of the fruit, all of the toil, all of all of the abundance, and they would reap all of that and they would be left to do it all over again. And the scripture says, because of their disobedience in a previous season, the Lord allowed enemies to do that in a cycle of seven years. So every year it was as if they were starting over. Have you ever felt like you just had to start over? And you're like, God, okay, let's just clear the slate and you just start over and you're doing good and you're doing good and you're doing what you're supposed to, you're being faithful and then something happens and you're just like, now you're about to partake of the fruit. And then boom, some kind of enemy comes in. Boom, just, and you're just like, God, what happened? And you're just like, okay, well, let me just start over. They were in a cycle of that for seven years. And it says that Gideon was in the caves, in the strongholds, in the dens. You have to understand, we would know all of those terminologies as caves or cutouts in rocks. And it says he was harvesting uh, grain there, and he was uh, threshing grain there in a wine press. First of all, who threshes grain in the wine press? But he was doing whatever he was, could do to bring forth fruit because of the enemies that was coming in. And he was, nobody knew he was doing it. He was just doing it in the darkness of the cave. He was just doing it, if, you, if I can say it this way, in a good way, in isolation. They, they didn't know he was just doing it. He was just, God, I'm just tired of not reaping fruit for my family, for this and that. And so he was doing all of that. And while he's doing that, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, I see you even when nobody else sees you. And you're, you're righteously angered because the enemy is coming in and stealing the fruit of what should be the corporate fruit. And it, it, it sends something in your spirit that makes you angry. And you don't know what to do, so you just kind of hide yourself away. And you're just being faithful at, at, at threshing the floor. I said, God, what are you trying to say? And, and there's been many things that I feel like the Lord is leading us into, and we're going to be digging that out about the spirit of Gideon. But one of the main things you must understand is when Gideon finally said yes, and you can find this theme all throughout the Bible, he thought he had this amount. And then he, God took him through a season of cutting away, cutting away, cutting away until he goes from thousands and thousands and thousands till now he only has 300 and God is saying, perfect. Now I got just who I want. New life, hear me. There are people, there are people, both people we know and people just in the body of Christ in general that appear as if they are apart. 
But you just know this from what is being spoken in the prophetic and what you are seeing on the news and what is happening in the world. You are going to see a major cutting away in the body of Christ this next 12 months. And it's going to shock you because it's going to be people like you like, I never thought. They were always apart. They always wanted to be in there. They always want, their heart was always. And then all of a sudden, when God gets ready to bring forth the real victory. But here's what I want you to understand. And simultaneously, as it appeared as if things were falling away and it was getting worse and worse, the true church or the true army stood up. And the true army, although it was smaller in number, had greater victory. And here's something, because of time, I cannot get into. You guys know me by now. I love to study different things in Hebrew and Hebrew culture, not for the sake of replicating it, but for the sake of knowledge, because I believe when you study that thing and, and study their culture and study their understanding of Scripture, it actually opens up the New Testament in a light that it's, it's easier for us Gentiles to understand. And so I always study it specifically in this time of the year because it's not going to be long here in another month or so where the Hebrew culture, the Jewish culture, is going to be going into a new year. They are going to have their festivals, and they will be crossing over into their new year. And so I start to look at that kind of stuff around this time of the year, even though for us it's the middle of the year. And... And again, I can't go into all of this, but they are about to step into a new year of 5783. Am I correct in that? Or 82? 83. 83. They are about to step into 5783. And numbers always coincide with letters, and they always, in the Hebrew language, and they always coincide with like a picture. So it's like a pictograph. And so the Lord shows different things in that nature. And so as I begin to do this, now remember everything that I just told you about being faithful in one season produces fruit in the next season, abundance. And Jesus is the ultimate reward, the nearness of his presence. And then the next thing the Holy Spirit said was to begin to ask for the spirit of Gideon. So as I was studying then, I was kind of removed from all that. I wasn't connecting the two. And as I began to study the new year of what, what those numbers meant in the letters, what the letters meant in the words and the pictures, in the new year is the root word where Gideon derives his name from. So as they begin to step into their new year here in another month or so, the Holy Spirit is speaking something about what Gideon carried. And I believe that what the Lord is showing me personally, that although there, it seems as if fruit is getting stolen, and although it appears as if things are being shaken, don't, don't sleep on that. Things are going to be shaken. Don't sleep on that. And although it feels like 
efforts are not being rewarded and it feels like, oh, my energy and all that, all that is going to happen. I think it's even going to increase. You're going to see it more. You're going to hear it more. You'll probably even feel it more. But just know this, the arm of the Lord is not short. And even while that is happening at the exact same time, the Lord is going to bring tremendous victory. He is going to bring tremendous victory. And you're going to start seeing tremendous victories. I believe it's when you grab a hold of that word, like I just said, the Lord speaks and he speaks it in a general fashion and it's meant for everybody. But you grab a hold of that word, you pull it into yourself And then you begin to say, God, how does this affect me? And God begins to shape that word for personal victory for you. He'll do it as a whole for the body of Christ. But then he'll also do it for you personally. Can I show you one last thing? Listen, I really am going to close. I'm not even going to open my other thing. But I want to show you. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I didn't even plan on this, so I'm going to have to find it in my Bible. Matthew chapter 10. This is incredible. If you've been in church for several years, you've no doubt have read this scripture, have heard this scripture preached. Chapter 10, go clear down to verse I'll start with 40 just so you can get an idea. I'm going to land on 41. But these are words of Jesus. This is Jesus' teaching, okay? So there's, it, it, it's, all of it is important, but this is even a higher level of importance. And it says, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. In other words, and what what was The word of the Lord this morning. Don't look for a sign and a wonder, but through your worship, you become the sign and the wonder. Are y'all here? Oftentimes, we'll stand back to look for the sign and the wonder of God moving, of revival, of, of the next movement or the next revelation. And then as we physically begin to see it, we kind of want to, this is how I term and use this in terminology, we want to take our spiritual wagon and hook it to that. And then just let that pull us. Are y'all following me? But I'm not going to hook myself to something until it proves to be already faithful, till it proves to be already a sign and a wonder. Y'all, sometimes the Holy Ghost just gets me in trouble. You see it now. Something not doing so good. Something seems as if it's faltering. Something going through a little tribulation. They unhook spiritually. This over here looks like it's moving pretty good. Let me hook up with this and just pull me. So we become trailers. Become empty Christian U-Haul trailers. And when this one 
fizzles out and runs its course and goes through a cycle. Because I don't know if you know anything, but God works in cycles. We unattach ourselves from that. This one looks like it's moving pretty good over here. We hook up with that. Another trailer. Y'all are quiet. Jesus was speaking specifically to this church. He says, why do you look for a sign and wonder, but if you enter in into his presence and through your worship, you actually become the movement. You don't have to look for a movement. You become the movement. You don't have to look for somebody else who is on fire. You become the burning, blazing torch. Ironically, in Gideon's, what I just read about that is one of the instructions that he was told to do for the 300 when they finally whittled it down to 300. They said, get each man a trumpet, a glass picture, pitcher, and a torch. Put the torch in the empty pitcher, in the empty vessel. And when I tell you, you blow the trumpet, you smash the, the vessel and let the torch burn bright. And when you do that, you say, the Lord's sword has come among you. And it begins to shake and rattle the enemy's territory till they turn on each other. And all you've done is you've blown a trumpet. Hello, worship. And you've cracked open your vessel. Hello, pouring out like oil. And you just allowed your flame to begin to burn. And the enemy doesn't know what to do with that. But we have been accustomed to looking for something let me see the revival. Let me see the movement. And then I'll attach myself. But God says, when I have invited you into an open heaven and you enter in, you become the movement. You become the praise and worship. You become the burning torch. Jesus said this of John the Baptist. He said, he is the greatest among the prophets. He is the greatest among men. Wait a minute. John the Baptist didn't heal anybody. John the Baptist didn't give any new prophetic word. John the Baptist didn't have a vision or a dream. He didn't do anything according to human standards that we would deem significant compared to the plethora of Old Testament prophets. And yet Jesus says he's the greatest among prophets. And he followed it up with this. He says, because he is a burning torch or a burning lamp. And then the very next verse says, I'm going to paraphrase it. You know what I just said about John? Yeah. You understand that I just said that he was greater than all the Old Testament prophets? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Rabbi. We heard you say that. And I told you why, because he's a burning lamp unto me. He's a burning torch for the kingdom of God. Yes, we just heard you say that two seconds ago. I tell you, in this covenant, he is the least. 
Meaning anybody who comes through Jesus is going to be considered greater than John the Baptist. What? That's what Jesus said about you because we have come after John the Baptist. Jesus says anyone who receives you, think about that. Put your name in there. Anybody who receives you receives me, Jesus. And anyone who receives me, Jesus, has access to the Father who sent me. Your worship becomes the doorway for somebody to see Jesus. And when they see Jesus for themselves, they get access to the Father. You become the burning torch. You become the sign and the wonder. You become the deliverer. You become the prophet. You become the preacher. You become the tool in God's hands. Why? Because I just stepped into an open heaven. And I said, God, I don't understand. Tears run. I'm just going to worship. Other people are saying, man, that's a burning torch. I don't understand it. Because they don't look like they're a part of anything great. But there's just a burning about them. And when they see that burning, they see that it's actually Jesus. And then when they accept Jesus, they get access to the Father. And it begins this whole reciprocal thing that we like to call a movement of revival or awakening. But the next one says this. And here's what I want to give you. I want to give you two things out of this. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And then it goes on, if you receive a righteous, because of their righteousness, you will be given the reward like an unto theirs. This, remember, this is Jesus speaking. In this verse right here, verse 41 if you receive a prophet as one who speaks, this is layered, okay? It, it can refer to the physical person of a prophet speaking for God. It absolutely refers to that. But there's a little, a little something in there that also points to not just the personhood of a prophet, but the spoken word of God, the prophetic word of God, the when I get up in the morning and I prophesy the word of God over my life. It's talking about the word of God as well. So when you see, receive a prophetic word from the word of God, as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. If you look in the King James Version right there, it says, if you receive a prophet, you will also you will receive the, uh, the reward. It uses the word receive twice. The first one is this. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Dekamiah. Dekamiah. And it means this, to take, to receive with open hand. In other words, if you receive the word of God, if you receive the prophetic word of God, we had a prophetic word this morning, if you receive it, you receive it like this. You're open-handed, and you just allow it to come into you. It, it's, just, it's just as if I had something in my pocket, and I wanted Pastor Tim to have it. I would just look like this, and he would just receive it. All he has to do is this. 
You see what I'm saying? That's what that, that's what that first Greek word means. If you receive a prophet or a prophetic word, you, all you have to do is have open hands. Just have open hands, Tim. Just have open hands. He don't have to do nothing for it. He just has to be in the vicinity. You see what I'm saying? He just has to be present. It's important to be in the house of God with others. Because sometimes you won't have to work for things. You just need to be present. Tell your neighbor, I'll see you next Sunday. I'll see you next Sunday. (laughs) Y'all couldn't say that because you don't know if they're going to be sitting with you next Sunday. The first receive is just open your hand and you receive it. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, just receive it. Just be present and open your hand. God, I'm ready to receive. That's what that Greek word there means. But when you get to the second part, it says, and you will receive a prophet's reward. That word receive is a different Greek word. Same in English, different in Greek. That Greek word is this, lambano. And it means this, to seize it, to lay hold of it, to protect it. That now that something has been placed in my hand that I didn't have to miss, I just had to show up. Now, because it's laying in my hand, I'm going to seize it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to bring it into myself, and I'm going to protect it. And then once it's in here, now I'm not, I'm not just going to let anybody take it. Now I'm going to use it. And if you study out the, the Greek words, uh, the Greek letters in that, it's almost as if you could say, I'm now going to take it in and I'm just going to be doing this like a hammer until it blooms. And what we have done in the American church is we are good about this. We receive things. We receive the word of the Lord. We receive his presence. We receive deliverance. We receive healing. We receive a redemption. We receive all the blessings and all the goodness that God has to offer because we show up and our hands are like this and we receive it. And then we just leave it. And we forgot to seize it. And we forgot to use it as a weapon until it blooms forth in my life. Jesus is saying, if you just show up and you believe the word, just receive it. But then if you seize it and bring it into yourself, you're going to get the reward of a prophet. Why? Because I'm not going to let an enemy steal it. I'm not going to let my family steal it. I'm not going to let my mind and my own conscience steal it. I'm not going to let people steal it. I'm receiving it. I'm receiving it like this. And then once the Holy Ghost lays it into my hand, now, mm-mm, you ain't getting it. You are not getting it. Stand with me. I told you I wasn't going to keep you. <laughs> 